so important is that more than anything else and more than any time ever, we need an encounter with God. We, we need a fresh encounter with him. Um, we've been bruised, we've been battered. Um, I was found myself saying recently, Becky and I were speaking at St. Thomas Crooks a couple of weeks ago up in Sheffield, and I found myself saying that in life we have a choice of what we're going to be overwhelmed by. You can be overwhelmed by the love of God, or you'll be overwhelmed by something else in life. And the reality is a lot of us know, we know what it is to be overwhelmed with mental health issues or anxieties about ourselves, our families, our future. We're overwhelmed with busyness. And the, the solution to all of that is to be overwhelmed by the love of God. And to just for him to, to reveal himself to us in our experience as the person that we've always known he promised to be, which is the all-sufficient one. If we have him, we have everything. Um, so all we need to do is just make sure we have more of him and he has all of us. And that's why I think the, the more is so important. And New Wine is a renewal movement, really. We, we're focused on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that all that Jesus has won for us upon the cross might be increasingly experienced in our lives and in our corporate life together as local churches. So we're going to press on this afternoon to talk a little bit more about what that looks like. So just to recap, you know, Peter got out of the boat at Jesus' invitation. Great, go Peter. The other 11 didn't. Um, what did Peter have to get over or what held back the other 11? Well, very simply, the head, the demand for understanding, which so often in life... Uh, means that we end up being quite controlling, actually. For big, a big issue for me was you know, how to switch off the analysis and become not an observer, but a participant. How to be fully present to God, rather than slightly distanced and analyzing all the time. So we, we need to get to that place of being present to God and let God be God. But at the same time also, for some, it's not the head so much, it's the, the heart it's their history, it's their experience, which causes them to be a little tentative, a little perhaps drawn into themselves, not to take risks, not to put themselves forward. That can be a really difficult thing to overcome as well. And probably for all of us, we have both of those issues going on at some level. And I wanted just to throw it out there, really, that I really do believe it is true that you can have as much of God as you want. It's, it's always on our side. God is not a withholding God. Uh, I remember Jesus saying, fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, God wants to give us the kingdom. He doesn't hold anything back. Um, it's said of him that he gives the Holy Spirit without measure. He's no respecter of persons. He has no favorites. He, he answers anybody who wants. The hunger that we feel in our hearts for God clearly comes from God. It certainly doesn't come from the enemy, does it? You know, it's never the enemy who stirs up a hunger in us for more of God. That's got to come from God. And if that comes from God, our God is not a God who would stir up hunger and then put the food on a high shelf so we can't reach it. If God has stirred up that hunger, it's because he wants to meet it and he is able to meet it. But we do need to persist sometimes. You know, sometimes God will, in his, in his wisdom will say, do you really want it? Or is it just a whim? Uh, so sometimes God will stir a hunger, but he won't satisfy it immediately. He will ask us to hunger more deeply or to, to press in more deeply, to really go after him. And, and I think that's really important that we know because I don't want to come in here today and make it sound easy. Um, one of my problems is I am really good at airbrushing the past really, really good at it. So uh, we did a massive building project in our church, which took years and cost millions and you know, lots of blood, sweat and tears to get there. And um, quite often when I tell the story of like, this is what we did, um, I kind of like just go, yeah, this is what we did. And then it's all done. And usually Becky says afterwards, you didn't tell them about you know, the sleepless nights. You didn't tell them about the the rejections of planning applications. You didn't tell them about the problems here and the, you know, the crisis month when we had to raise another quarter of a million pounds or when we went on holiday and we came back, it was a million pounds more expensive. You didn't tell them. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm quite good at airbrushing that out. But actually, we want to be realistic. So although Becky and I will share some of the things that God has done, the truth is we still need to meet God in all of those areas. 
you know, we haven't, it's not like they're done, completely done, we never struggle with it anymore. No, we're all still pushing in for more. So we, we're able to share something because we're not where we were, but we're certainly not yet what we should be. And uh, I just want to encourage you that there is a process, and it's going to be a lifelong process. None of us are ever going to get to that stage, this side of glory, where we are complete and finished. But the encouragement is, Romans 8 says, you are destined to be conformed to the image and likeness of God's son, Jesus. It's your destiny. You are, if you're a Christian, you are going to become as perfect as Jesus was perfected. That's incredible, isn't it? So all we want is to reflect as much of that as we can do in this life. So um, we talked about Peter walking on water at Jesus' invitation. We better read about how it goes on, because this is the reality check, isn't it? You knew that this story was going to come up at some point. Peter's attempt. So let's, let's read that. Matthew 14. Lord, if it's you, Peter said, tell me to come to you on the water. And then one of the most beautiful single words in the whole of the Bible, Jesus says, come. So anybody who's ever hungry, hear that word. Jesus says, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you, Jesus, are the Son of God. Uh, there's a story I love to tell of um, uh, a clergy couple, and they received the letter that they'd been dreading for years that said, from, from the bishop, said, I'm going to come and stay with you. They were in quite a remote part of the country, and the bishop was going to come and stay with them, use them as a base, and then go visit all the churches in that area. So uh, they, they just went to work. And uh, the wife was like cooking loads of things and putting them in tins and putting little notes on the top to say, you know, nobody eat this, this is for the bishop when he comes. And she's cleaning the bedrooms and then putting a note on the door, nobody play in here, this room is reserved for the bishop when he comes. And, you know, he was painting the fence and all this sort of thing. They were just basically making everything ready. And finally, the great and terrible day of the bishop came when he turned up and stayed with them. And over that week, he went out visiting all the other churches and then uh, at the end of the week, he went. She, oh, great. We got through it. And um, the wife went round just tidying up. And she went into the bedroom where he'd been staying. And she noticed when she went in there that there was a pile of towels, the pile of towels that she'd put out for him, which hadn't been touched. He clearly hadn't washed for an entire week. She thought, this is a bit weird. So she picked the, tile of, uh, the pile of towels up to put it back into the airing cupboard. And as she did, a little note fell out. And she picked it up and she saw her own handwriting and it said, if you touch these towels, I'll break your neck. <laughs> so um, you, you have to kind of, you have to realize what the communication means, don't you? You have to listen for the tone of voice. And there's something in that in this passage because... I think the tone of voice that you hear when Jesus says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? The tone of voice that you hear as you read that says an awful lot about your conception of God. Do you hear Jesus being rebuking? Do you hear Jesus being impatient? Uh, or do you hear Jesus being kind of lovingly chiding but slightly affectionate? You know, is Jesus angry with them? You have little faith. Why did you doubt? Or is Jesus saying, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, I've got to believe it's the, it's the second. You have little faith. Why did you doubt? The reason I think that is because actually the two times that Jesus has spoken in this passage already, he's spoken with incredible grace. They've, they've offended him by accusing him of being a ghost. And he says to them, don't be afraid. Take courage. It's me. Peter was boldly asked to step out to do something that clearly he's not qualified for. And Jesus just says, come. And I don't think Jesus changes his tone of voice at all through this passage. I think he is being affectionate and saying, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? With all that they'd seen before, they remember they've just come from the feeding of the 5,000, where the miracle probably happened in their hands. 
Jesus had blessed it, broken it, given it to them. But the multiplication happened as they gave it out. And Jesus is saying to them, if I'm involved, you can do it. And it's really important because we're meant to grow in faith and not doubt. And he wants us to get over that. But the truth is, if you want to walk on water, you are going to get wet. It's a bit like um, you know, learning, growing, you're not going to get it perfect first time. So I want to make just some, some points about walking on water. Because really, remember this passage is all about us, not Jesus. It's about what we can do if we respond to his invitation. So the first thing that we need to note is that Peter didn't wait for and didn't get perfect conditions. When Jesus invited him out to walk on the water, it wasn't flat as a pancake. Clearly, there was wind and there were waves. So over the years, I think one of the reasons that you know, we've had to battle in these areas and why we, we talk about a lot of what we're doing as being our walking on water is because there's so many things where we could easily have ruled ourselves out and said, that's other people. So I could, have, I could easily have been a completely logical, rational you know, happy with the Bible, know my place in church, don't really do the emotional type thing, I'll do the, I'll do the accounts, thank you. Uh, you know. I could easily have settled for something where I would have said, experiences, particularly emotional experiences, happen to other people, not to people like me. I could have ruled myself out that way. Becky could have ruled herself out. She could have ruled herself out because of her history and what she'd concluded about herself, or the false guilt that she was carrying that she felt was a real guilt that would rule her out in her own mind, or her circumstances of not being able to come to church for a number of years, really, because we didn't have any support or care for Joshua, or our circumstances as Joshua's got older, where actually it's actually harder to deal with a 23-year-old than it is a 2-year-old in lots of ways. There's lots of things where we could have ruled ourselves out. Um, just before I was invited to be, um, to be leading New Wine, um, we had a prophetic word from a guy called Alan Scott. And um, in this meeting he said, uh, a time of inconvenient favour is coming to you. Inconvenient favour, like the Virgin Mary being told she's going she's gonna to have Jesus. It's like, what now? Like, with my circumstance? I'm not even married. You know? And we looked at it you know, when, when we got the invitation to, to, to lead New Wine, I think we'd heard God speak to us, but we'd had to battle through the, the whole thing about, we're so busy already, we're, we're so stretched at home already, there's so many reasons why in our family life, let alone our personal lives, this doesn't seem to make sense, God. But I think over the years, what we've tried to do is never say no when God says yes. If God says do this, there must be a way. There must be provision. And we've seen that provision fall into place. And what, that, what might that look like for you? Do you have a reason where you would go, well, clearly it's a no. I'm going to rule myself out. Could be your personality type. Could be your background. Could be your present circumstances. You go, well, cl no, clearly not. And actually Jesus says, why not? Why not? If I'm saying come, you just have to say, Lord, I don't know how, and I don't know what it will look like in my life with my commitments, my responsibilities, but, but yes, okay. And you'll be amazed at what God can do. It's going to look different for each of us. That's why we can't be prescriptive. All we can be is encouraging. Peter didn't wait for perfect circumstances. I've discovered that God uses me as often on my bad days as he does on my good days. I used to think the only time that God would ever use me would be either you know, at the end of Sunday after a whole day in worship or probably even better after a week in the presence of God at a New Wine Summer Conference. Then I might be you know, walking close enough to God to actually do something. But no, he surprises me. He, he uses me on days when I'm knackered, very aware of my own sin, lacking in faith, and then something's in front of me and I just feel a little nudge and it's like, bingo! And then God will do something. So... Don't wait for purple circumstances. Don't wait for purple circumstances. But don't wait for perfect, perfect circumstances. You're never going to have them. There'll always be a good reason why not today, 
Not this season. Just go for it whenever you hear the nudge and the call of God. So the second thing to notice is that Peter did actually walk on water. He did. It's there. It says Peter walked on water, which means that people like you and me can do supernatural things. The things that Jesus is doing, we can actually do. It's amazing. You know, there's so many reasons why we would think that God doesn't heal the sick. For example, we've got two children that still have symptoms that affect their lives. We pray for them regularly. Loads of people we know have prayed for them. They haven't been healed. They still struggle in those sorts of areas. Why do we believe that God heals the sick? Because we've prayed for so many people who have been healed. In other words, you don't have to see it all the time to know it's real. I say to Becky, you know, just because you haven't seen the sun in three months, darling, that's England, it's still here. I believe in the sun, don't worry. You know, we, we need to get to that point of understanding the kingdom of God is already here, but it's not yet fully here. The kingdom has come, that's what Jesus said, but it's still coming. We're taught to pray for it to come. So we're always going to be living in between. It's interesting that in the Bible, the, whenever the words are used about the Holy Spirit and what he does, it's amazing how often words like first fruits or down payment or glimpse or uh, the assurance. In other words, this is a taste. It's not everything yet, but it's a, it's a presence of a portion of the future now that we might believe in what God will fully give later. So we're going to be living in that tension, partial experience of occasional success and occasional failure as well. And so it's really important in all of this that we, we're realistic and we learn models of trying to do these things that are therefore safe, whether it goes well or not. So Jesus, have you noticed, Jesus is quite good at managing the disciples' expectations. So Jesus will talk to them, as, as Becky said, about in this world you will have trouble. Yeah, there will be trouble in this world. Jesus says to them, look, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you as well. Uh, Jesus says to them, you're not all going to be rich, but actually in the kingdom to come, you're going to be so blessed, and actually even in this world you're going to see blessing. But he doesn't promise them untold riches. Have you noticed, though, that there's one area where Jesus does not qualify and reduce their expectations? And that's with God. Jesus, there's no passage where Jesus goes, no, no, easy guys, just kind of, he's not that good. What are, you, what are you praying that for? No, 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 come down. All the time, whenever Jesus speaks about the goodness of God or the power of faith, he's always saying, you, you guys are going for way too less. Go for more, go for more. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? All those parables that Jesus tells about persistence in prayer, how much more will the Father give? You know, if, if you can get bread out of a, a, you know, a not very interested friend at midnight, how much more will the Father who loves you give you bread? If you can get justice from a, you know, from a judge who doesn't really want to do it, but you've badgered him long enough, how much more will the Father give justice when you call to his name? Never Jesus is telling the disciples, easy lads, rein it in slightly. He's always saying, go for more, go for more. God is better than you think. So part of this encouragement is Peter actually did walk on water. Jesus wants us to believe for more and step, in, step out. Does that mean we're going to get it right all the time? Clearly not. Peter got a bit wet, didn't he? So the third thing here is as we step out, we will get wet from time to time, but Jesus will always immediately rescue us. He didn't abandon Peter. It says, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. So we might sometimes go for something and, and get a bit disappointed. We might sometimes go for something and feel a bit foolish. We might fall flat on our face, but Jesus will always pick us up. Jesus immediately caught him, he immediately took him back into the boat. It's a safe place. And that's one of the important things, actually, about pursuing these things is that we learn to create safe place. It's really what new wine is all about. New wine needs new wineskins. That's what Jesus said. And if, we re if we're going to receive the new thing from God, 
then we need to create places where it can be received. And that means it needs to be understood and it needs to be carefully worked out. So when Jesus gave his plan to the church for mission, which we'll be celebrating in a couple of weeks in Pentecost, I suppose, that the plan that Jesus gave for the church was, you can't do this except by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you need the Holy Spirit in order to fulfill the mission that we're given to the world. But actually, when we come together in church and we're learning about the things that the Holy Spirit does, that's not really where those things are meant to be exercised because they're actually for the mission. And by and large, most people in the church building are already in the church, body of Christ, as Christians. So the gifts of the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit, is particularly for outside. And so churches like this and churches in the New Wine Network and what our big conferences are about, it's about, they're about creating safe places where we can learn and practice and encourage each other. So there's an old phrase that we use quite a lot in New Wine that is this. The meeting place is the training place for the marketplace. In other words, the gifts of the Spirit were not given to make Sunday services slightly more exciting. The gifts of the Spirit were given that we might gather in the meeting place as a training place so that we know how to do these things safely and lovingly and healthily out into the world so that if it goes wrong or at least it doesn't happen, nobody's hurt. So our model, which we gather, you know, when we're in New Wine and we're learning how to pray for the sick, we learn how to pray for them in such a way that even if there isn't healing, nobody's unhappy that they were prayed for. No crutches, no, you know, no crutches were kicked away. Nobody was left feeling that they were guilty because they weren't healed. We learn how to um, move in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit in a way that's really safe and encouraging. I want to show you a, a picture before we move to do some prayer together. So if I can have the next picture up. So when I was writing the last chapter of this book, this was on the BBC website. And this, as you've probably seen, is um, it's a really sad thing. It's a mass beaching of a pod of whales that happened in New Zealand. It happens quite a lot, apparently. So every, every year, there will be these things where sometimes, as I think was in this case, hundreds of whales ended up on a shore. And when that happens, it's terrible because they're majestic creatures. They're going to die unless they can be taken back into the sea. So communities will come out, they'll try and refloat them, they'll pour water over them to keep them alive, get the tractors out, try and drag them further back down the beach so that they'll float again at the high tide. And sadly, um, often it isn't enough and many, many of them die. But the big question is, how did they end up there in the first place? So what is it that causes these mass strandings of whales? And the scientists have got loads of explanations. So sometimes the scientists are saying things like, well, it's submarine sonar that confuses them. You know, they get a bit you know, disorientated and so they crash up the beach instead. Or um, subterranean, well, sub-oceanic um, earthquakes, which, which mess with their inner ear. Or, or maybe oil drilling or deep sea explosions or sunspots with magnetism that throws off their radar. You know, all sorts of explanations are offered. Um, probably the easiest explanation, and you know in life often the easiest explanation is often the right one. The easiest explanation is this. Whales really like sardines. It's like a tasty, tasty treat if you're a whale. And so when a pod of whales comes across a school of sardines, they'll go after them really quick. And I don't know whether the sardines know how to do this and break for the shallow water, but it often ends up that that's where the sardines go, and the whales come after them, and the suggestion is that in chasing the sardines, the whales then, up, then beach themselves, drive themselves up the beach. And I was just reading that theory, and as I read that theory, writing the last chapter of Walking on Water... I just felt God say, so many Christians waste their lives because they chase things that are too small for who I have created them to be. It's like, it's like God was saying to me, you were made for so much more. And if you chase after the trivial in life, you'll just waste your life. 
Your life was meant to be an adventure with Jesus. With Jesus, you're meant to achieve more than you could ever believe possible. With Jesus, your life is meant to have impact beyond your wildest dreams. Because he's so much better than you realize. Now, the problem often is we rule ourselves out. We don't realize what he can do with us. But if he can take bread and loaves, you know, loaves and fish, and if he can feed 5,000, he can certainly take little people like us and make us something pretty significant as well. So what we need to do, I believe, is keep coming back to the scripture to see what the Bible actually says about how God will use human beings like me and you and reset our expectation. You know, so often with the gap between our expectation and our experience, what we do is we reduce our expectation down to the level of our experience. So it's like, well, why do, why do you never pray for the sick? Well, because we pray for you know, somebody we really love and it didn't happen. So we don't believe that God heals because it didn't happen, so we decided he doesn't. So often we, we do that, don't we? We make life comfortable, we resolve the tension, but walking by faith, not by sight, is about letting the Bible set your expectation and then letting your experience start to grow up towards it. And that's what Jesus is always saying. There's so much more going on. If you believe, then you will see. I sometimes say to people, I put it this way, just think back, what was the day where God was greatest and most wonderful and most awesome in your life that you can ever think of. You know, the moment of highest blessing, revelation, encounter, whatever it was. Okay, then realize this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. That means your high moment, God is at least as good as that all the time. That's what we need to learn, isn't it? Actually, he's so much greater even than that. But he's always, always good. And I believe that, as I say, we need to create that culture where we, we keep challenging ourselves with the Bible to raise our expectation. But then we also encourage each other and create a culture in the church where we can do that. And one of the most helpful ways of encouraging each other is the prophetic. So we were just talking about prophecy over lunch and um, we we're saying, you know, it, it is interesting. There's lots of things that prophecy is about. It is, it is about speaking truth to power. But it is actually also about us hearing the voice of God to us. So Jesus in John's gospel says, my sheep hear my voice. So in other words, inbuilt to a Christian is the ability to hear what God is saying to you. And um, as we said earlier on tongues, when prophecy is exercised it builds other people up because it's from God to us and this is what Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 14 I would rather have you prophesy the one who prophesies um, edifies the church the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening encouragement and comfort anybody ever need any of those three? Strengthening, encouraging, comforting? Well, that's what prophecy is for. Prophecy is for us to speak that into each other's lives. Now, I know what you're thinking, so, because I, I am there myself. We usually come across two reasons why we don't ever share anything with anybody else prophetically. The first is, we don't think we get anything. I'm not sure I've ever really heard God speak. I don't think anything, you know, I've never had confidence that God has spoken to me a, a prophetic word that I could give to somebody else. The second one is, well, even if God did show me something, I'm not sure it's from God because it could just be me, so I don't want to give it just in case it's wrong. All right? Anybody relate to those? Everybody can relate to those, I think. So what we're going to do is we're going to do a little exercise this afternoon. It's fun, believe me, and the doors are locked, so you can't escape anyway. Um, I guarantee every single person will have some thoughts come to their mind. Because okay, I've had a look around. None of you are brain dead in comas. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you some prompts which will enable you to think. Actually, they will force you to think. It's going to be impossible not to. Um, and what we're going to do is we're also going to re um, reduce the testing bar of you know, how, is this from God, is this not, by, by making it incredibly, incredibly simple. 
So the testing bar is going to be, you can only share something with somebody else if it potentially would strengthen, encourage, or comfort. It's basically, it's got to be nice. Okay? It's got to be nice. Nothing rebuking, nothing directive. You're not allowed to tell anybody, I think God says you need to be in China as a missionary next week. Not allowed to do that. Um, but we're going to make it really, really, really simple. Okay? And um, this is such an encouraging thing to do. I have done this in many, many, many places. And uh, believe me, you may not think it, but it always goes well. So what we're going to do is we're going to get into pairs. And um, it's really helpful for you not to be somebody that you share a house with. Okay? And preferably somebody you don't know quite well. Okay, so would you like to stand up? And I'm going to give you just a minute or so. Can you wander around the church and find a new friend and then sit down with them? I know. Scary. Who knew church was going to be like this? Go find a friend. And then when you've found them, please sit down. Becky's here. She's very safe. Somebody want to go with Becky? Lovely. Have you found a friend yet? If you have, do please sit down. Take a seat. So that's absolutely fine. Yep. Okay, lovely. Okay, so um, first thing I'd like you to do is just to make sure you know each other. So exchange names. Go. As you have a very long name, it won't take long. Excellent. It's good. Okay. Second thing is I would like, this is really hard, I would like you to choose who is number one and who is number two. Okay, again, probably a 10 second job. Okay, have you done that now? Excellent. Anybody still arguing over it? Okay, great. Now, in my experience, number, quite often, number one is the person who's most confident in this kind of thing. So um, we're gonna, we're gonna compl- I'm going to play a trick with you. We're going to completely flip it around. So um, number one, your job is to close your eyes, make yourself comfortable. And uh, number two, we're going to start with you listening to God for your new friend. Okay. Now, don't worry about it. Number two, it's going to be fine. It's easy. So what we're going to do is I'm going to ask the Spirit of God to come. And I know that God wants to speak to us. And I know that God is always speaking to us. The problem is we don't know how to recognize his voice. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to prompt you to have lots of thoughts. I'm not saying that every single thought you have comes from God. I'm not saying that everything you get is a direct prophetic word. But I will guarantee you that some of what you get is from the voice of God. Okay? So your job, number two, is I prompt you is to let thoughts come to your mind. And don't even bother testing them at this moment. In other words, don't start agonizing over, is that God, is that not God? I just want you to remember some of the things that, you, that come to your mind. Okay? So number one, if you'd like to close your eyes. And uh, your, number two, I do encourage you to look at them. I know you want, probably want to go into holy mode where you're a guy all, all spiritual. But it's really helpful to look at somebody because it reminds you that this is somebody whom God loves. That God actually wants to encourage this person. It's not an abstract exercise. This is a person that God loves and wants to encourage. Okay, So it's really helpful to look at them. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to start giving you some prompts. So, Lord, we want to thank you for these people who we've named number one. We thank you for your great love for them. Thank you that you have good things to say to your children. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would use us as channels to strengthen, encourage, and to comfort them. So remember, number two, your job is just just remember the things that come to your mind. The first thing I'd like you to think about, what part does this person play in the body of Christ?
What sort of person are they in the church? How are they a gift to the rest of us? And you don't have to dredge anything up. Remember, just let, let things come to your mind. Lord, what are their spiritual gifts? Now just let thoughts come to you. Don't dismiss them out of hand. Just let thoughts come to you and just store them up. Barry Kistel, who talks us, taught us a lot about the prophetic, used to say, God's voice is like the touch of a butterfly's wings. It's, kind of, it's very soft, but you learn to recognize it over time. Next question. Is there a Bible character that comes to mind? Number two, think of a Bible character. And if a Bible character is in your mind, what is it about their example or their story? Just ask God to show you what about that person. You can get into the habit of, if God shows you something, asking to unfold it or unpack it a bit more. This next one is a big one for me and, and often for other thinkers. Is there a Bible verse or a Bible promise that springs to mind? So is there a truth of scripture that she needs to be reminded of that he could be reminded of now? You might get a reference or you might just get the words or the, the name or title or aspect of God. Remember, you don't need to force it. Just let it come. Whatever comes naturally is probably from God. Now, because a lot of people nowadays... Um, probably hear worship music as much as they read their Bibles, ask God, is there a, a lyric or a snatch of song? Might come from a hymn or a chorus. Could even be a secular song. But just take note of what comes to your mind. You don't need to test it too much at the moment. So now the next thing we're going to do is, is use our imaginations. We all have imaginations. Um, you might have heard in church sometimes people say, oh, I think God's given me a picture. Um, and what they mean by that is in their mind they can see something. And we can all do that, even if we're not very visual. So we all have something that we refer to as our mind's eye. So I, I can see in my mind's eye. So if I say to you, Big Ben, probably all of you have a mental image. And that is what we mean when somebody says, I can see a picture. So for me... That mental image is a little bit abstract. I've got friends who the mental image is sort of like they can tell you what time of day it is and what the weather's like and whether the bus is going past. They're more, more visual, more imaginative. But that's what we call your mind's eye. We say, I can see something in my mind's eye. So why don't you say to God, God, show me something in my mind's eye. Put an image into my imagination. And again, you may not have a meaning that goes with it, or you could ask God 
to, to give it meaning. Or you might find it's actually only meaningful to the person you give it to. And uh, finally, because this is just a short little exercise, final question. What does this person most need to hear from God right now? And if you're not looking at them, this would be a good moment to just remind yourself, this is somebody whom God loves. What does he, what does she most need to hear from God right now? Okay, well done. Great, number one, you open your eyes. Okay, number one, you're going to love this. Um, because your number two, your new friend, is now going to pour forth all sorts of things that, might, that potentially might strengthen, encourage, or comfort you. And remember, number two, I literally want you to share everything that isn't going to hurt them if it's wrong. Okay? So by which, if you kind of like, I had it in my mind that you're a great singer... And number one goes, well, I'm not a great singer. It's not going to destroy their lives. Okay? It's going to be, well, thank you for that. I think I sing like a crow. But anyway, it's nice to know that, that you know. So in other words, anything that potentially strengthens, encourages, comforts, come to your mind, I would like you to share it. They make, make connections that you haven't made. Could mean a lot to them, even if you can't see what it might mean. So, okay, number two, pour forth. Behave church ever. Not only do you, not only have you all memorized the whole Bible, it's like when I say you've got 30 seconds, you all stop. Oh, we better stop now. Okay. Have you all landed? Good. Okay. As predicted, I can see a couple of men just sitting there awkwardly and a couple of women crying and hugging each other. That sort of happens every time. It's very good. Okay. What I would love to hear, oh, sorry, maybe by show of hands, this is the best way of doing it. Um, so, number, let me get this right, number ones. How many of you would say that in the midst of all that, not saying that everything you can make a connection to, but number ones, how many of you would say that in the midst of all of that, you think some of that was probably from God? Show of hands. Okay. There you go. Look, very encouraged, right? In other words, you can all do this. Yeah, you can all do this. Doesn't mean you're going to be 100% hit rate, but you can all do this. Fantastic. Well done. Now, what we're going to do now before we move on is... We, we're going to just, um, we're going to pray because if we're going to step into the people that God is calling us to be, step out of the boat, stepping into a bigger life, then we're going to need encouragement. The best encouragement you can ever get comes from the Word of God. The enemy hates the Word of God to be planted into our lives. And so in the parable of the sower, Jesus says, that when the seed goes out and it falls on the path, the birds of the air come and eat it and take it away. And when the disciples say, what does that mean? Basically what Jesus says is, the enemy loves to snatch the seed of truth so it can't take root in a Christian's life. And that could mean today that we have a lovely little exercise and we have a great time and then you walk out the door and you completely forget it. Whereas it was a word from God that he wants you to believe and grow in. So we're just basically going to have a little prayer um, to pray or, or to forbid the enemy from snatching any of the seeds of truth. Okay? And the way I want you to do this is we're just going to have a quick prayer. You, you do the prayers. So number one, so you just assume the position again. Like that. Um, number two, what, what, what I want you to do is pray your greatest hits. In other words, the ones that really seem to resonate. Those are the, those are the most important ones. So... Father, I want to thank you for the teaching gift that she has. Thank you. And say it positively with faith. Because if she sort of said, yeah, okay, I, can make, I can connect to that, then, then don't just kind of like doubt it anymore. Say it with faith. So Father, I want to thank you. That she, she is, you gave us a picture of a daffodil. She is like that, that daffodil that turns its head towards the sun. She's somebody who worships you in hard times. And, you know, whatever. Okay? And then I'll lead a little prayer as well. So why don't you start? Let's pray for your number one. Pray your greatest hits into them in faith. Thank you that she is. Okay, can you do that? Can you pray for her? Pray for her? Okay. So, that's it. Just pray what you think God gave you for them. 
And as part of your prayer, we pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit would take the seed of truth and plant it deeply within them, and we forbid the enemy from snatching the seed until it is grown forth and brings the full fruit of all that you have for it to achieve. Okay, well done. Great. So get it planted and forbid the enemy from snatching it. Just a few more seconds, bring your prayer into land. Can be simple and short. Okay, ten seconds. Great. So if uh, great, if if my wife would stop praying, that would be great. So <laughs> Okay, well done. That was fun, wasn't it? Okay, do you know what comes next? We're going to swap roles. Okay, so it's very easy. So number two, put your feet up. Um, well, not quite, but number two, if you'd like to settle in, your number one uh, is going to be making themselves available. Can I speak a bit louder? It's the first time I've heard that in my life, but yes, I'll, I'll, I'll try. Yeah, there's a lot of background noise as well, isn't there, sometimes, so yeah, okay. Good point, right. Boost me at the back, oh, technical people. Give me a nice booming, think kind of James Earl Jones, something like that. Somewhere between Moses and God. Oh, that's quite good, thank you. Excellent. Right, so, um, I've lost track. Number one, you're on, you're, you're on deck, aren't you? So number two, uh, close your eyes, make yourself present to God. And number one, if you'd like to look at this person, remember this is somebody whom God loves, and you are making yourself available to be a channel of God's blessing to them. That's what spiritual gifts are. It's God working through the body of Christ to touch a child of God. So Holy Spirit, we ask you to bring words that would strengthen, encourage, and comfort these dearly loved sons and daughters of yours. And we make ourselves available for whatever words you want to give in whatever way you want them to come that we might see these people built up in their true identity in Christ. So, number one, just let thoughts come to your mind. Don't filter them or test them. Just let thoughts come and just store them up. So what part does this person play in the body of Christ? It might be a word or an image. They are a gift to the body of Christ. What, what type of gift? How are they a gift? Lord, what are the gifts that you have put in their lives? Even if they know it, it's so helpful to have someone else call it out who doesn't know you very well. Next question, is there a Bible character that comes to your mind? So number one, think of a Bible character. You don't need to dredge anything up, just let it come. And whichever Bible character comes to your mind first, then say to God, is there something, what is it? about their example or their story that might be relevant.
Now let's go to the Bible. Is there a scripture or a promise or a name or aspect of God that this person needs to be reminded of? You might get a reference. More likely you'll get the text itself. In other words, the words. Or the title. Or the aspect of God's character. Don't worry if more than one thing comes to your mind. Sometimes God has a lot to, to say. Just store them all up. As we said, nowadays a lot of people, well, I guess it's been the same forever, but a lot of people, um, songs are really significant. So is there, a, is there a lyric from a song or a hymn or a chorus that comes to your mind? Again, you don't need to dredge anything up. Not every angle is going to work for every person if you're one of those who's listening. So don't worry about that. But something will trigger. Remember, we're thinking about songs. It doesn't need to be a Christian song. Is there a lyric from a, any song that comes to your mind? I think often people dismiss something by saying, oh, I just remembered. Yeah, well, maybe you did remember it, but equally, maybe God brought it from the back of your mind to the front. That's, he's equally able to speak that way. I just remembered can be God spoke. So let's move to the imagination. I explained about the mind's eye, that kind of mental canvas that we've all got. So, number one, say, Lord, for this person in front of me, put an image into my mind's eye or an idea into my mind's eye. Show me something. You don't need to know what it means, although you can talk to God about it if there's a meaning. Sometimes a number of these things together will connect like a jigsaw as well. There'll be sort of a theme that runs across a number of these different things. And that's kind of God using our limitations, you know, our limited bandwidth to get across what it is he's actually trying to say. Finally, and this is often one of the most important, again, it's really helpful to look at the person that you're seeking to bless and then ask God, what does this person most need to know? What do they most need to hear from you right now? It's probably going to be something that strengthens, encourages or comforts them. What do they most need to hear from you right now? And you probably don't know the circumstances of their lives, but if it really does connect, it's going to be a great blessing to them. Okay, great, thank you. 
so number two, you can open your eyes. Good. Your happy day now. Uh, so your number one is going to share with you everything that came to their mind over the last 10 minutes. Um, and um, they're not going to filter it too much. It's just going to be nice or potentially nice. So go. Listen as if it might potentially be from God. You test. Remember, it can be really helpful to give feedback to each other as you're sharing. Give you just a couple more minutes. Okay, one minute. Okay, just bring that into land now. Well done. You're great. I'm also impressed by the professionals who are writing things down or taking notes in their phones as well. That's really good. Should have said that earlier. That can be very helpful. Um, of course, it's only helpful if you actually look at it again afterwards. But that's all to do with keeping the seed, isn't it? 
Okay, if you look this way, um, number twos, how many of you would say that within all of that stuff, there's something there that you think was probably, quite likely, from God? Show of hands again. See, there we go. I mean, if we'd add all of those together, we'd basically saying pretty much everybody um, heard something from God. So you can go to you know, your friends later and say, yeah, I was at church on Saturday. There were about 120 prophetic words given. Um, <laughs> the point is, we can all hear from God. And th- those words can be a real encouragement in us stepping out without the same kind of sense of fear and inadequacy into the people God wants us to be and into the bigger things that he has for us. So if we can create that culture in the church, obviously this is a really simple exercise and there's so much more to learn and grow in in the prophetic, but actually this is something you can do in a small group. So I've trained all of our small group leaders to do this and you know, from time to time they practice it in a small group setting because it's really simple. And I'll leave Jonathan with the, uh, the cheat sheet as to like, what are the questions I normally ask because okay, I knew you were going to say that. Okay, let's, um, let's remember, we don't want any good seed from the Word of God to be snatched. So let's pray it in and seal it in, ask the Holy Spirit to plant it deeply and forbid the enemy from snatching it away. Uh, so number ones, like I said earlier, pray your greatest hits. Um, and just pray with confidence, with faith. Father, I thank you that. You don't need to test it now. They've acknowledged it's probably from God. Lord, we thank you that you speak to strengthen, to encourage, and to comfort. We thank you that your word brings life. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would take these words of encouragement and you would plant them deep in our lives until they bring forth the full fruit that you have for them. And we forbid the enemy from snatching any of the seeds that have been sown today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well done. That was fun, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Oh, that's a relief. Oh. <laughs> Excellent. So that was the fun bit, by the way. I, you know, I was billed as bringing some of the fun this afternoon. That was it. So if you were hoping for more, sorry. But what we wanted to do is we wanted to kind of like just leave you with that, that kind of sense of God actually does know me and he does have a good plan for my life. So what I'd like to do is maybe if Martin and the band would like to come back up. We've got about 20 minutes left um, and it'd be great just to end the day with a time of worship but also a time of prayer as well. And this I think, one of the best ways of looking at this is this is kind of like a processing time for all of us as to what God might have been saying to us through the day. But at the same time, an unfinished business time as well. You know, necessarily this morning, Becky and I had to kind of cover a lot of ground very quickly. And it might be that partly through what we were sharing, a process has started and you kind of like want to commit to go to the next stage. Maybe that just a hunger has been stirred up that actually, as a result of today, you're thinking, actually, yeah, I am more aware that there is more. And I, I want more. Well, we can always bless each other in that. So what we're going to do is we'll just start by standing and and just asking God's Spirit to come. And then as the band lead us in praise, as the band lead us in worship, if you would like someone to pray with you, um, you don't need even necessarily to share what it is that you want prayer for. Because you remember Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Forever asks, they always get. For everybody who seeks, they always find. Everybody knocks, they always get it. The door is always open. How much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And at at root, one of the things Jesus is saying there is that the answer to every need is more of God himself, more of the Spirit's work in our life. So you know what it is that you're responding to, and if if you just come and stand at the front, 
Becky or I or Jonathan, Juliet, some of the ministry team here perhaps, we'll just bless what God is doing and pray for more of his work in your life. That's all we need to do, isn't it? So, so let's pray. Holy Spirit, we want to thank you for everything you've spoken today. Anything that was simply of me or of Becky, we ask you to blow it away like chaff. But where you have spoken, Lord, we don't want to reject any word. We want to receive it all. We want to respond to it. We want to step into your invitation. So we ask for more of you in our lives. I pray, Lord, that you would fill us as a people afresh. that you would clarify what it is that you have been putting your finger on today. That unique relationship that each one of us has with you. God doesn't want you to be anybody else. He just wants you to be the you that he sees. We give you permission, Lord. Fill us more and more. More of you in our lives.